0: Our theme this season is Carpe Diem, Seize the Day, and we have a great show for you today. I cannot believe it, but it is the last show for season six. But I'm very excited to welcome back a guest who was on my show during its very first season. The theme for this season has been Carpe Diem, and it has been so much fun to see how different people in the heart world choose to seize the day. Today's show is Seizing the Day with Jessica Cohen. Jessica Cohen was born June 7, 1983 in Northbrook, Illinois. At four days of age, she was diagnosed with hypoplastic left heart syndrome, or HLHS, double outlet right ventricle, or DORV, and mitral atresia, and she underwent her first surgery at that time. She is one of the oldest living survivors with HLHS. She was raised in Chicago and has a younger sister, Amy. Jessica had three surgeries by the time she was 18 months of age, and at 13, she needed a revised Fontan and a pacemaker implanted. Even though she had a pacemaker, she missed a lot of school and just didn't seem able to keep up with her peers. By 16, Jessica was in congestive heart failure and was told that she needed a heart transplant. After waiting three weeks, she got the call from the hospital and received the gift of life. After that, she was even able to graduate from college. Jessica has recently written a memoir to inspire and help others. Her book is going to be available June seventh, two 2016, which just happens to be her 33rd birthday. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Jessica. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I'm so happy to have you back on the show. This feels like old times, doesn't it?
2: I know. It's great. It's really great.
0: I am so happy to have you on the show, and my listeners may not all know this, but Jessica and I have had the pleasure of meeting in person when I went to Chicago, and I got a chance to meet Amy, and I met her mom, and we had a really good time eating pizza together. So I'm hoping to repeat that someday and bring my husband along, because he doesn't believe that the pizza was as good as I told him it was. Chicago deep dish is the best.
2: You can't get any better than that.
0: It really, really is. (laughs) I was really impressed with it. so. Anyway, I'm so happy to have you back on the show, and I want to start out by reminding our listeners, if you recognize the name, Jessica Cohen, she was on episode three of season one, and she came on with her mother, Eileen, and talked to us about getting a heart transplant. So I would like to ask you, Jessica, how do you seize the day?
2: Just by living. I work full time. I am promoting this book, writing. Going to school for health communication, so just keeping busy and being grateful for my health and trying to just enjoy living
0: and you do that you live with your sister, and I saw that you two girls seem to have a really good time together. You seem to have a really good relationship.
2: We have an amazing relationship. we're very close. we do both live together in Chicago. she works downtown and I drive back to the northern suburbs during the week but yeah we're very close and it's just always been that way and I could not have picked a better person to be my sister we're attached at the hip she's my best friend (laughs) so I'm very lucky
0: you really are and it's so sweet to see the two of you together you act like best friends you don't act like squabbling siblings you act like you really love each other
2: We do. I mean, don't get me wrong, we have our moments, but we do. We definitely do.
0: Well, it must have been so frustrating for you for a while while you were a child, having trouble keeping up with probably Amy and your peers, and just having trouble with school. I remember reading, I guess it was in some correspondence we had back and forth with each other, that sometimes when you were at school, you kind of felt like your brain was a little fuzzy, and that was before you had your heart transplant. So, what advice would you have for parents whose children are having the same kind of frustrating experiences you had?
2: I would just say it's temporary. It was definitely hard to concentrate and definitely I couldn't understand what was going on. I didn't know how sick I was. And I think once I was in a better medical state, that's when the fog cleared. I was just out of it because I didn't have the energy to mm-hmm. put forth anything more than I was putting forth to just survive the day. That expended so much energy. Thinking and school just kind of took a back seat and it's almost a feeling like checking out. You just check out and you kind of go into this protection mode where you're just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. And I would say to other parents, it has to play out. It's temporary, depending on the situation, it's not gonna be forever. Like you said, I graduated high school, went on to college, graduated, went honors in college. So eventually the healthier I got, the healthier my mind got, the clearer my mind got, and I was able to refocus and relearn the stuff that I was checked out on.
0: So do you wish that you would have had your surgery sooner? Which one? <laughs> That's a good question because you've had so many surgeries. So you had yeah. your Fontan. Yes. Did things get better with that? Or was it really not until you had your transplant that things got better?
2: From what I remember, I was 13 when I had the revised Fontan. And things got a little better for just a short period of time. And then I was just going downhill really fast. I guess three years is not fast, but it's shorter Of time than expected for the pacemaker to do its job. My heart just couldn't handle it. So I think the age I was was a good age. I knew what was going on. I could make my own decisions. I understood what the doctors were talking about. I was able to ask my own questions. I guess it's one of those things where you can't decide on the timing. So when the timing was right for me, I wouldn't have changed the timing because I can see why at that point it made sense. I was able to go to college a little bit later on, but though I missed a lot of my high school years, it wasn't for me so terrible the timing.
0: Okay, so you feel that things happened the way that they were supposed to happen. I can't believe you got a heart in three weeks. That was just amazing. I can't either. <laughs> oh my god. We did not
2: expect that. Wow. Yeah, we were told the wait time for that was 6 to 12 months, and that was what I was preparing for. And I had tutors from the high school coming every day and after they were finished at the school. So I still was in school, and I just didn't – yeah, we did not expect it. It was a Saturday. We got a phone call telling us to get downtown to the hospital as soon as possible because there was a heart.
0: Were you pinching yourself?
2: (laughs) I was – Pretty much screaming and crying, saying I didn't want to go. (laughs) Because I was like, what are you talking about? It's like three weeks later, we're supposed to go to New York for my starlight wish. And I was so hyped up about that. I was looking forward to it. I was really excited. And we got the call the weekend before we were supposed to leave. So naturally, I was like, this is not happening. This is not good timing. But ultimately, you have no choice. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't see a choice as much as I struggled with it there wasn't a choice. You can always refuse the organ but you never know when the next one's going to become available. So really there's no choice but to go. All with
0: right. teen, you were a little overwhelmed. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know what? It doesn't get easier with age either. It just yeah. it it's different.
0: Mhm. Well, what's the biggest obstacle that you have had to face in seizing the day? It seems like you've had so many different things happen to you. What do you think is the biggest obstacle you've had? The insurance is definitely
2: the biggest obstacle, just getting everything covered that was needed and so necessary. And that was the biggest obstacle with the heart and the kidney, my insurance for the kidney, it didn't cover anything. They covered $30,000, which is one treatment. And I needed five $30,000 treatments plus four of another treatment plus surgery costs. So that was the biggest obstacle. And I know a lot of people go through the same thing with the insurances. Life-saving procedures are just not, feels like it's not tolerated. It's just not okay. And That was really, really hard because you're worrying about getting better, but then you're also worrying it might not get better because you won't be able to pay for it. And then recovery, of course, there were times when it was just very difficult um, on me during the recovery. But thankfully, after the transplant, the recovery went pretty smoothly and pretty quickly. So I felt really good shortly after that.
0: Did you ever get to do your
2: wish trip? We did. We went six months later, and it was so much better because I actually could walk around and not get out of breath. Mm-hmm. I could enjoy the sights, and I could enjoy being somewhere where I didn't have to worry about walking so far, or needing a wheelchair, or being out of breath, and worrying more about how I felt than enjoying the sights. So, yeah, we did end up going. I guess they say timing was everything. It just was such better timing now. That- we got the call, and we went six months later because I was with it. I was there. I was present.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you yeah. did. You were freaking out a lot, and you were just surviving day to day. So, yeah. Well, that's a positive yeah. for us to go to a quick commercial yeah. break. Don't leave yet, listeners, because when we come back, we're going to talk to Jessica about what happened when her health began to decline when she was in her 20s and what her sister did to make sure that she could still seize the day. We'll be right back after this brief commercial break.
1: The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, a handbook for parents, will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more.
0: Our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is Seizing the Day with Jessica Cohen. And Jessica is a 32-year-old HLHS survivor, and she just finished telling us about how she seizes the day and what her biggest obstacle is to seizing the day. And like so many of us, dealing with insurance seems to be a really big obstacle. But now we're going to talk to Jessica about... What happened when her health began to decline? And Jessica, I can only imagine how scary it must have been for you, knowing that you were getting worse, you were in congestive heart failure, and you knew that you were going to have to have a transplant. One of the problems is that once you start on that road, you're quickly told that transplant doesn't fix everything. That You're kind of trading one set of problems for another. So can you tell us about how your health declined 10 years after receiving the heart transplant and what had to be done about it?
2: Yeah, so similarly, I started feeling just more tired than usual. It's like the weirdest feeling of being tired. It's not like you're sleepy tired. It's just like your body is exhausted, all the time, and you just want to sleep. And I noticed I was working part time at the time, and I was on my feet. And one night, I needed to just sit down because I could not stand anymore. And my lower back was really bad, really painful. And I was like, this is strange. And then maybe it's like, oh, well, I'm standing so much. Maybe that's it. Or maybe it's the shoes I'm wearing. And then I got sick with some stomach issues and I was admitted through the ER ultimately and they do the regular blood test when you come into the ER just to check levels of everything and see if anything's off and it happened to be that my creatinine level the renal function or kidney function level came back high and I always knew that they kept an eye on it. I just didn't know any sort of range that was normal or abnormal. So they wanted to admit me for other reasons, but they would keep an eye on that. And I just kept, again, that cloudiness, the fight or flight, it's really, that's what all I can explain it is like just fighting to make it through the day. I was having really bad back pain. And one of the side effects of the ProGraph we found out later after I was told I was eventually going to need a kidney transplant was renal failure. ProGraph and Rapamune are the two immunosuppressives and the ProGraph can damage your kidneys. At that time, I had been on it for 10 years and that was what happened. Another shock. We didn't have any idea that that could happen and ultimately it went downhill really quickly. Within maybe, I would say, a span of six to eight months, my health went from pretty good. My creatinine level kept going up, which means my kidney function kept going down. And eventually, I was at 10% function just before my sister Amy yeah, was a match for me to donate her kidney. Again, during that whole process, we both were worked up, both went through the process of learning about what it means to have a kidney transplant and how you can become a living donor or a deceased donor, which would have been about five years wait. The waiting list for the non-living donor is upwards of seven years now, and kidney is one of the highest needed organs. It runs in like, I think, the hundred thousands of people need a kidney. Wow. Wow.
0: Yeah, I know my aunt is one of those people who really needed a kidney, and yeah, I he just passed away just a couple weeks ago, and terrible. She was so sick that she wasn't able to be listed.
2: Yeah, and that's terrible. I mean, you don't ever like hearing that, and. I'm very lucky to have my sister, Amy. She's three years younger than me. So this is her big 30, year. She's turning 30 in May. And yeah, I wouldn't have been here without her because she offered her kidney immediately and I didn't want her to go through surgery. So I said no, but ultimately I didn't have a choice if I wanted to survive. And again, the insurance was a huge issue. I had to get the state insurance Medicare covers, renal transplants, kidney transplants. And luckily, we were able to get approval within two weeks versus three to four months because I didn't have that kind of time. I was lucky enough to get a push through quickly to cover all the extended medical out-of-pocket costs and surgery costs because the insurance at the time only covered the $30,000 limit. So Amy... Besides donating her kidney to me, also set up a fundraiser because we were freaking out. Not only did I need a kidney now, we needed to raise money before we got the approval for Medicare. We didn't have any idea what to do, so mm-hmm. we got in touch with friends on Facebook, and they told us, "Oh, go visit." This website, Give Forward, see what they can do. It's a fundraising site. And Amy started a medical fundraiser to pay for our bills and whatever out-of-pocket expenses that came up. And then included travel and food. And eventually, two weeks before the transplant was scheduled, we stayed downtown right next to the hospital because I had dialysis three days a week for four hours each session, and I couldn't drive because I was so worn out and so tired okay. after each treatment. It was mm-hmm. just easier to stay close by.
0: Mm-hmm. Probably a lot safer for you, too, because yeah. you, you wouldn't have been a safe driver.
2: No, I wouldn't have been. It wasn't, like, down the street, either. The hospital was at least 40 minutes away, depending on traffic, so even that two ways is it's a lot of energy. mm mm-hmm. It is. To get from one place to another. And it's hard to explain that type of energy loss if you're not experiencing it. It's even hard for me to explain because I've been so removed from it for a long time, yeah. thankfully. But ultimately, Amy ended up fundraising to pay for the costs and everything fell into place, you. Thank- Goodness, she was my donor. We had medical coverage, we had some extra fundraised money that could be used towards solely medical and transplant related expenses. So for your recovery? Yeah, everything. Like checkups, parking, everything.
0: Mm-hmm. Well that is a real positive note to end on. Your sister, Amy, is your angel?
2: Yeah, in more ways than just a kidney. You know, I'm very lucky to have her <laughs> yeah. as my best friend and somebody I can definitely look up to and count on. And that's what family's supposed to do. Same with my mom, of course,
0: and I know that up so. to you. And I saw it when we were at dinner together. I saw how you're a very important part of her life. Now, we need to take another quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, listeners, because when we come back, we're going to talk to Jessica about the new book that she's written and where you can find it and why it was important for her to share her story. We'll be right back.
1: Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today.
0: Heart to Heart with Anna. Today's show is Seizing the Day with Jessica Cohen. Jessica is a 32-year-old HLHS survivor, and we just finished talking to her mostly about the wonderful sister that she has and how her sister donated her kidney to her and has been such an angel in her life. And now we're going to talk to Jessica about the book that she's written. Jessica, I am so excited because when I met you in person, which was a couple of years ago, you told me then that you wanted to write a book, and now you've done it. So Tell us all about the memoir that you've written and why you felt you needed to write about your life story.
2: Thank you. Yeah, I remember telling you I'm working on it, and um, now it's finished and available on Barnes and Noble and Amazon and Books a Millions for pre-order. The official release date is my birthday, June seventh. Like you said, during the whole Kimi experience, my sister, when she set up the fundraiser, we had to talk about it. Ultimately, it forced me to talk about everything. Like, why am I needing a kidney? I never shared. I was very private about my house because I never wanted that to be what people remember. Oh, yeah, you're the girl who needed the heart transplant. I remember. No, I never wanted to be that person. So I kept it very private. But when she was doing the fundraiser, I was forced to talk about it because we needed help. We needed to fundraise. We needed money. And I just saw people saying, oh, yeah, you're an inspiration. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just doing what I'm doing. But people really understood and were supportive. And it was time to write my experience down. And ultimately, I don't go into the relationships. I mean, I talk about family relationships. But I don't go into detail about dating or anything like that, because I solely wanted to focus on my experience and how I felt and everything I was thinking or that I remember that I was thinking during the time. It's solely my perspective, solely a patient's perspective of what it's like to go through everything I've gone through, not only in the hospital, but out of the hospital. Like I talk about going to college, it just was time. It was therapeutic for me. And I didn't want to admit that early on because I thought it was okay. I was dealing with it fine. But the more I wrote, the more I talked about it, and the more I see people saying, oh, I'd love to read it. I have a friend going through this. That was my goal. It was to share my story and hope it could help or provide some comfort to patients, patients' families, and siblings. Yeah, and sure. You know.
0: I'm sure it will because... You have really been through a lot, (laughs) and you've handled it so quickly. I'm so impressed with how your family has been so tight-knit. They've been wonderful at being there for everybody. They were there for me. Your poor mom. I can't imagine having one child in surgery and my other child in surgery at the same time.
2: (laughs) Yes, I was panicking, too. When you have a donor, so the donor goes in first so they can recover the kidney. And I was waiting by the phone because the nurse promised me from the OR she would call and make sure to let me know that Amy was okay. Otherwise, I couldn't go. I needed to hear that before I left my room. So, yeah, I can't imagine... I think my mom felt like she was trying to be in five different places that day, and she would switch off between us. And I'm sure that was hard because Amy came out and I went in. So she was with Amy while I was in, and then, you know, everybody just took turns making sure we were okay and room checks and stuff. So the thought of mom waiting on her only two kids is a bit heart-wrenching and thankfully everything went smoothly they told amy after she was awake a bit that she had a really healthy small kidney and oh. i'm like i don't know what you're talking about because it's sticking out in my because they place it in the front like your abdomen <laughs> and i'm like sticking out here i don't know what you're talking about small but you know you try and find humor and that's what i tried to do when i was writing a lot of heavy, serious material, but I have a weird sense of humor. I'm sarcastic. So I tried to incorporate that when I was writing and I hope that laughter is the best medicine. So they say, and you have to find humor. And that's how we got through a lot of it. We laughed oh. We laughed at randomness. We were in the car singing. We were coming up with different names for kids' books. It was just something to change the focus and get Mm -hmm. away from all the seriousness.
0: We've talked a lot about how Amy has been your angel, but I hope you can appreciate the fact that you empowered her to be able to give you a second chance for life. And not all siblings have that opportunity. And so what you did by letting her share her kidney with you is you gave her her sister and
2: she wouldn't have had you without
0: that.
2: Yeah. You know what? I never thought about it that way until now. And I give her all the credit, but I guess I can take a little of it too
0: (laughs) after that. (laughs) She couldn't imagine her life without you. And I know, Having spoken yeah. to her and spoken to your mom, I have tears in my eyes right now because oh. I can't imagine talking to Amy or Eileen without you being here. You're such an important yeah. part.
2: Yeah, and vice versa. It's hard for me to even think about one of them not being here. That's right. Um,
0: Before I start crying. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> It has been such a delight to meet you and your family and you girls are all three of you women are such strong, inspirational women. And I know that everyone is going to love reading your book. Everyone will love reading your book. So you have to tell us one more time how they can get their hands on it and when it's coming out.
2: Okay. My book, The Hearts of a Girl is for pre-order now on Amazon and Barnes and Noble online and Books a Million, and Chapters and Powell's. Never heard of those, but mom knows. It's all available
0: for (laughs) pre-order. That's one of the big bookstores in Canada.
2: Okay. See, I didn't know that.
0: I'm going to put links to the books on the website. So look on hearttoheartwithanna.com and where we have the information about Jessica's show. I'll also have a link to the bookstore. So if you can't remember everything that she just said right now, don't worry. We'll put links on the website and you'll be able to get to the bookstore there. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Jessica. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Give my love to your sister and your mother for me. and tell them I will, about- of
2: course, and I'm sure they send it back.
0: Okay, well, that does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. We are going to have a show every single day during the month of February, because February is Heart Month, and Tuesdays we'll have a brand new show, but every other day it will be an encore presentation for those of you who are just finding out about Heart to Heart with Anna or those of you who would like to listen to a show again. So, Season 7 is Congenital Heart Defects Around the Globe, and I cannot wait to interview people from all around the world. And... Sadly, congenital heart defects do occur all over the world. They don't discriminate between geographical location or socioeconomic status. It happens everywhere. And so, unfortunately, that does conclude this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern time. Until then, please find and like us on Facebook. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com and our Cafe Press Boutique. Follow our radio show on Blog Talk Radio and Spreaker. If you follow us on Spreaker, we can eventually petition iHeartRadio to carry the show on iHeartRadio. Then you would be able to tune in to Heart to Heart with Anna on the radio in your car. That would be really cool. Right now, you can hear us on the internet 24 hours a day. 365 days a year. Please remember, my friends, to come back, like us, follow us, and remember, you are not alone.
1: Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week.